Hello, you're very welcome here to Purple Psychology Podcast. We're on episode 100 and uh, you're here with Melanie Hoskin and Dr. Nisha O'Reilly. Hello. Today we're talking about snowflakes. Um, Nisha, please identify a snowflake for us. Okay, so what a snowflake is, they're particular children that were brought up post-millennial, 2010 mark. Um, They seem to be overpraised, unique, and as a result... They're highly sensitive to other people's viewpoints and other people's. They're not able to take other people's viewpoints and positions on things. Okay. Um, so they take it as a personal criticism and they react very sensitively and badly to that. And um, there's a sense of entitlement. What I've seen here, particularly um, in the college environment, is that people are looking at a certain generation of students and they're expecting them to be a certain way. Mm. And as a result, they're treating them quite badly from the off because they expect them to not cope and to not have certain skill sets and to not do the work and to be lazy and to have a sense of entitlement and because you've paid for your degree, I can't fail you. And these are all the things that are kind of being said to me from from both sides. Mm. Um, I do think that we're breeding anxiety and depression. Yeah. And I feel that these people are oversensitive. I don't feel that they have life coping strategies. Mm. I don't see anything wrong with you being unique. And mm. I don't see anything wrong with you being praised by your parents. Yeah, yeah. But what's happening with this is that with the praise is coming an expectation and a sense that you can't make mistakes. They don't feel unconditionally loved, which we've talked about in previous episodes. Yeah. And as a result, they don't feel secure. Because they don't feel secure, they don't feel that they can step out and try to do things because they might get it wrong and that might they may not come to people's expectations. Mm. And if you don't know how to do something, the best thing to do is to not do it at all. Yeah. So they hugely procrastinate, it comes across as laziness, they don't turn in work, they're not assertive enough to say, I can't do this, they can't show any vulnerability, and they can't say, oh, I didn't know how to go about this, or I don't understand why you graded this so badly the first time I did it, the first draft. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to correct it. And they're not able to go and ask for, for questions. Mm-hmm. But then the other side of this is what people say to me, like, for instance, comments that because they do feel unique um, and they this sense of entitlement with people, that they don't seem to realise that they may have to do certain things to compete. So, for instance, there's going to be 400 people graduating in your year in your course. Now, the reality is is there's not going to be 400 people because if 400 people started, the progression rates in university are appalling and because they haven't known how to do the work and they haven't had the coping skills and they've probably dropped out with depression and anxiety, there's not 400 people graduating Mm. in any course Mm. anywhere at the moment. So the progression rates at university are very bad as a result of this. Yeah. Okay. But supposing there was 400 people to graduate, they haven't thought about the fact that there's 399 other people for them to compete with mm. and for them to actually shine above and to bring something to it. And, and I do find this quite interesting because like, I had a CV by the age of 17 and I had done a lot of work and I had done a lot of work experience. And... I'd had other experiences and I'd, I'd won prizes for my art or I'd won prizes in school or, or whatever, or I'd, I'd won sports trophies for canoeing and so on. So there, there was a resume there of, of a fully rounded person mm. who was good at sport and good at art and mm. good at certain academic things and who had had a teaching job and, 
and who had gone out and volunteered in an operating theatre and various mm. different things. So I did have a CV. These people don't seem to have a CV. Yeah. Um, so they don't seem to have had the experiences mm. um, to make them feel good and to mm. actually... Like, one of the things that you need, it's all very well your parents unconditionally praising you, but that's not external validation. And it's there's nothing better in life than external validation it's, it's only there's it doesn't matter how much the close people think of you mm. you always have to have someone external to that see something in you and mm. that book we were just talking about yeah. robert webb makes the point that what you need to be confident in life is you need to be good at something and you need someone to notice yeah. and you need someone external to your family to notice yeah okay yeah. so they're not having all of those experiences and then I can only describe the behaviour of certain academic environments as pure bullying and harassment right. of the sort of things that are being said to these people. And yes, of course, if you bully and harass people, they're going to melt. Mm. And if you want respect from somebody, you have to, to treat them with respect. And of course, they can't appear to cope with the pressures of life mm. and they're all falling apart. But um, you either have to go back and help people to parent or you have to go back to the school system and put things in place so that they get all the other elements of what they need like the external validation and mm. um, in, a, in a constructive way mm. or the universities have to accept that these people are not the same people and do not have the same outlook and are of a different generation okay so they're being parented with the best will in the world parents are, are trying to uh, show them how unique they are show them that they're individuals and that they're um now my question here is um if well the bit that i find really interesting mm. about this and, mm. and 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 this is one of the things that doesn't quite make sense to me in, in, in this mix is right for myself and for a lot of the people that I employ as teachers, we were first-generation people to university, okay? Mm. So our families are quite often working class, do mm. not have a high level of education. Um, an awful lot of them have dropped out and don't even have a mm. living cert. Like, neither of my parents have a living cert. Mm. I was the first person in my family on both sides to attend university, mm. right? And there's a sense with these people that it's like with their parents that because they have done a certain amount and they do have academic qualifications quite often quite a lot of these people have their parents have third level mm. um, qualifications when when i started off in on on the rung of life and when my teachers did everything we did um, surpassed what our parents had achieved and they were very proud of us now we were given like the support and the mechanisms to do that and in some cases like some of these people have gone to schools where they're the only two people in all of their year to attend third level college mm. you know so they've, they've overcome the odds to get to that place yeah. okay and so automatically by default everything that we've achieved is huge by comparison to what our parents have achieved mm. and and you know we're held up in the family and it's it's great and mm. you know and but with with these students it's like as if their parents have done so much and because they're not honest about the struggles that they went through like i quite often ask in sessions you know um how did your parents meet um 
what did they go through to get to the place they're in life? Mm. What's your family's biggest mm. achievement to date mm. in their world? How mm. did your grandparents meet? What economic background do you consider yourself to be mm. from? And um, what social um, structure do you think that you're part of? And so on. Mm. And these are really big identity questions mm. that we never ask people. And so because their parents have done the perfect thing and they're very successful and they're kind of up on a pedestal up here it's like as if and they're not helping to bring the generation with them or to show the journey or to show the challenges mm. it took to get to that place yeah. Yeah. Um, but yet you expect your children to be able to do it effortlessly and no matter what they do it won't actually be good enough anyway because mm. you're not in this pinnacle place yeah you 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 haven't you haven't done something that someone hasn't done before mm. you you're not impressive and i actually think that that's the crux of it okay i i, I think that's the crux of it more than the uniqueness what mm. every parent wants for their child is for them to do more than they've done themselves yeah. but if you've done a lot and both of your parents are lawyers or doctors or journalists mm. or, you know, are quite significant. That's quite hard. And that's why it's so difficult for the children of fair, famous people to yeah. actually feel well adjusted. Yeah. Not only do they have the lack of privacy and the whole spotlight on them yeah. and, and, and the people who get that right take the spotlight away, mm. but they do also have the challenge of actually being good enough. And there's very few famous people who have had kids that are particularly excelled. One of the ones that springs to mind to me is Paul McCartney. All of his children have excelled in their area, whether it's fashion or music or photography. And they've all got the best of their parents and the best of their parents' journeys, but both of their parents were working class. Yeah. So it does go back to that debate of, yes, they were famous, but yes, they knew their journey. Yeah, because that was going to be my earlier question to you, <clears throat> would be um, children that are uh, coming out of, say, dysfunctional um, families or families that... that um, are, are suffering addictions with parents or whatever, surely they wouldn't be, be instilled with the same kind of, um, uh, you know, self-belief or, or no, personal and, development. That no, and, and a bit like the, the Robert Webb's book again, this is something that's an economic divide. Yeah. And you will find that I find sometimes that the ec academic staff are predisposed to not liking these students because they are well off. Okay. Um, and they're not seeing that, that they've had anything challenging to go through. Whereas the students who are coming to them from a different economic yeah. background who struggle to get in there, they're more predisposed to helping. Okay. So there's, yeah. there's a lot of assumptions that are coming with this and they're not necessarily the right assumptions because mm. it just because you've been lucky enough to go to the private school and you're lucky enough that your parents have achieved a lot and that you're lucky enough that your family are wealthy does not mean that you haven't had challenges because it doesn't mean that you fit it into that school and mm. because um, I went to a private school I didn't have any friends in it I didn't fit in I was mm. bullied horrifically and um, it certainly wasn't the making of me in any yeah. way, in any yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and you know so it, you can't make the assumptions that just because someone went to a private school that it was perfect. It didn't, mm. necess it didn't actually determine my grades in the end because mm. I had very little support within that structure. 
um, from any side, whether it was the teachers or the students. Mm. So, so there's a, there's a there's a lot of assumptions in this. Um, and then if if you have parents that appear to be perfect and have done everything effortless as well mm. on top of that, and in a lot of cases the, the the students that I work with, their families have gone to those private mm. schools and you know that their parents were captain of this sports team team so they've left an impression they've left an impression Mm -hmm. their other siblings have gone through the system effortlessly and they're Mm. not they're not Mm. good at rugby Mm. you know so so they're automatically a failure and what what can what can these young people do to change this or to make life more I, I'm not. I'm not. I think it's very difficult for them to change it. I feel like as if the whole world is down on them. I think it's up to the parents to be more honest about their journey, to be more transparent about their lives, to be more supportive, to realise that support doesn't come from throwing money at your children and mm-hmm. putting them necessarily in certain educational situations. And mm-hmm. um, that only puts in a certain expectation mm. if you haven't got the rest of the package together for them. Mm. Um, and I think it's up to people who are working in educational environments. You you can't make assumptions about people. And if someone is failing in your class, and if the progression rates in your particular course where you've taken in 40 students and only eight of them still exist. I'm sorry, that's a reflection on you. That's not a reflection on the 40 students. Okay. And, and, and I do think that universities have a lot to answer for in progression rates. It's, n- it's not good enough to just tell me they weren't a good enough student. Yeah. You weren't a good enough teacher. Okay. And you weren't a mentor. You didn't help people build these life skills. Okay. You, you won't get any brownie points for that. I'm sure. No, I'm, I'm sure I won't. But 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 it's you've accepted their money. Yeah. So it's up to you to provide them with what's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any more on that, Nisha? Nope. Okay, we will leave it there. That was um, episode uh, one hundred, um, and we will talk to you very soon. Thanks again, Nisha. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.